Welcome to the Youngstown Penguin Football Podcast. I'm your host, Sal Goyarder, former student coach. Uh, my co-host with me, as always, are uh, Kurt, Kurt Hess, former quarterback, former defensive lineman Kyle Searle, and former director of football operations Dan Kopp. Uh, please, as always, give us a five-star review and follow us on our Instagram page, Whitetown Penguin Podcast. Uh, and of course, please continue to share, leave your comments, and leave any questions you have in that Instagram page and in the reviews. Uh, you can listen to us at Spotify, Our Heart Radio, or Apple Podcasts, or anywhere podcasts are found. Uh, that being said, we have a good episode for you guys today. We will rank the power rankings of the Missouri Valley Football Conference going into this 2023 season as well as answer some mailbag questions from the Instagram page. Uh, but before we dive into that, in full disclosure, I traditionally hand a script over to our co-host to do some research and form uh, educated opinions. However, uh, some news I've just looked up recently before the show is some new scheduling news to share with you and our co-host as well and give them an opportunity to comment. First being... Scheduling on Valparaiso, it appears Ron Strollo has put Valparaiso not only on the schedule for this year, but also Valparaiso's on our 2024 and 2028 schedules. And that is going to cost Youngstown State $125,000 per game guaranteed to Valparaiso. Also on the schedule now is Butler who we will open up in 2025 with on a Thursday night in the Ice Castle. That will cost Youngstown State $120,000 guaranteed to Butler. Um, and as any Penguin may or may not remember, last time we paid Butler in the Ice Castle in 2018, it was one of the more embarrassing uh, moments in the Ice Castle as Butler somehow, some way, ended up beating us. Um, and that is all sourced by FBSSchedules.com. Um, and I did not want to put that on the um, script for our guys because I wanted to get fresh initial reactions. And we're going to actually uh, discuss more about it and about ticket sales and others on the next show. However, first reactions, and I want to start with Kyle Searle because he had mentioned um, scheduling these types of games on our schedule. Searle? Yeah, uh, so not necessarily a huge fan of these games um, in terms of having multiple on our schedule in a, in a single season. Um, I never realized that we paid teams like Valparaiso and Butler. I don't, you know, it makes sense why they would agree to play us, I guess. But, um, you know, we've been on both ends of that stick of losing a money game and winning a money game. And, um, you know, $120,000 doesn't sound like a lot in terms of a football budget. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I, I, I guess, like, just not a huge fan of paying teams like that and scheduling a ton of them. But hopefully we don't get embarrassed like we did in 2018 again. They can say that again, Kurt. Yeah, I think you know, in some ways, it's a warm-up game when you're coming out of August and and you want to kind of have that guaranteed first win uh, under your belt. And I know the old coach adage is, you know, your biggest improvement is from week one to week two. 
And if your week one can be a, a near guaranteed victory, not saying that Butler is, but you know Valparaiso playing them traditionally and, and where Valparaiso's program is, we like to think we're a much higher standard of program than, than they are. But if we can have that biggest improvement from week one to week two and have a 1-0 and record instead of playing this huge team where we're already down 0-1, um, I guess, you know, every division one win can matter. Uh, my only concern is when the playoff committee is looking at it at the end of the year, um, do they sit back and penalize us for playing Valparaiso? So I love the, the warm-up feel of this type of game, but on the back end in a tight Missouri Valley, does it come back to bite us at the end of the season? Right. Dan? Uh, you know, I think Kyle and Kurt had good points there. We were on the other side when we opened with Pitt. You guys know that all too well, where we went down there, and that was their game, and we got paid to go down there and beat them at Heinz Field. Um, I think all of us like to forget about that Butler game from whatever year that was. I, I remember being at the game, but, you know, we uh, those schools got to get paid too. Um you know, it's tough. Uh, hopefully we win them big. But I, I think like you guys both said, it, if we're on the verge, if we're on the bubble for the playoffs, does that hurt us? Don't know. But, you know, I, I like that side of getting in, getting a game like that, especially if it's on a Thursday. And then if we've got to go play a big game, you know, I, I'm not real. I don't have a real big stance on either way on this. We got to do it. And, and that's just kind of the way things work. And Alabama plays – Someone in week 10, what is it, like Chattanooga yeah. or someone? Yeah. yeah. So it happens everywhere. It's, it's all over, you know, it's it's not just us. So. Right. Yeah. And to your point, like, we're playing at Ohio State. I'm sure Ohio State fans look at it and feel the same way. Oh, Youngstown sure. State, oh, we're paying them a bunch of money. And to the playoff point of uh, what y'all are mentioning, if and we talked about in the previous podcast uh, episodes, this previous playoff committee i truly think if you look at the bubble teams their record they looked purely at records and said all right this team is seven and four and if you played an fbs team they yanked that loss away so they said all right there's team seven and three i don't think they looked at the win was against valparaiso Mm -hmm. or the win was against northern iowa i don't think they took it in consideration but now that was last year's committee i know a lot of the same guys are still on that committee um how that's going to change again it's like march madness is is, you know you never know which way it's going to swing yeah can i mean is it really fair to yank the the division the fbs loss out of the record though because i mean if you're going to i mean north dakota state and northern iowa they Northern Iowa's almost beaten Iowa a few times. North Dakota State's won multiple games against FBS schools. So it's like, it's like, are you going to give them bonus points, but then yank all the losses away from the other teams? It's it's just it is weird to kind of think about how the committee does look at it at the end of at the end of the day and look at all the, the things. But I don't know. I just you know, for one hundred twenty thousand dollars, we were talking to Alvy uh, at the spring game. That doesn't even cover a team's helmet budget, but for a school like Valparaiso and Butler, it would go a big way to helping them out. So, I, I understand why teams need to get games like that on their schedule. Yeah, and uh, 
Yeah, no, I agree. Any other comments on the scheduling? Nah. No, not right now. We got to we got to digest that one and just kind of yeah. Well, yeah, you threw it for, for a loop there, Sal. You you sprung that one uh, on us, man. <laughs> I want to yeah, I want true reactions. So we'll we'll cover more on that in scheduling and and actually in our mailbag segment later. I think we're actually going to end up circling back to the beginning of the episode on that point. But moving forward. Going to power rankings, and the way we did it is sort of ranking out the top 12. This is the one year that we will have Missouri Valley having 12 teams, as Western Illinois will be leaving the conference, as uh, there's one overlap here with Murray State entering the conference. So we have these teams ranked 1 through 12, but we have them ranked in tiers. So the tiers that we're going to go through are really tier 1, uh, is this team or teams have a chance of winning the conference? Are they an automatic bid? Are they have a run in a national championship? Who is in that tier one of the Missouri Valley? Tier two is who are the playoff teams? You know, maybe bubble. We don't think they're going to win the conference, but they're definitely going to have a winning record and have a strong argument to be in the playoffs. Tier three is, they don't stink, but I don't see them in the playoffs. They're more or less 500. And finally, Tier 4, this is a team of illusion record. They have some rebuilding to do. So those are the four teams or the four buckets that we're going to put each team into. Um, and then once we put them in that tier, we will rank them number 1, 2, 3, all the way to 12. Uh, so starting with Tier 1, again, which is these are the teams that have a chance to win the Missouri Valley Conference, and I'll kick it off myself. I have two teams that are uh, have the ability to do it, and I don't think it will be a surprise to anyone. I have South Dakota State just completely dominated, potentially running the table. Uh, if not losing a game, but losing a game is not going to stop them from repeating as they have everyone returning. Uh, number two in this tier I have uh, North Dakota State, and I, I think, and I hate to put them in it because I really think the dynasty is crumbling slowly for the Bison. I think they lose two to three games this year, but if anyone's going to take the conference away from the Jackrabbits, it, it's definitely going to be the Bison. So that's the only reason I put them in this tier, but I only have two teams in this tier. I don't see anyone else uh, in the conversation of winning the conference. And with that being said, I'll turn it over to Searle to talk about Tier 1. I Yeah, so Tier 1, just going to match you, mirror you. Um, South Dakota State's my number one team. Uh, 19 returning starters uh, from that national championship team. They are loaded. Uh, I will never say that North Dakota State dynasty is crumbling. They were 7-1 in the conference last year. Um they, they are the only potential threat to the Jackrabbits' perfect conference schedule, I think, this year. Um, so that's 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 my take on it. NDSU, South Dakota State, just put them in the playoffs now. It's a lot. Kurt? Same as you guys, man. Uh, I didn't really put them into a one or a number two because you don't <laughs> ever disrespect North Dakota State like that, but – um, yeah, I mean, to, to, to be the champ, you got to beat the champ, and right now that's the Jackrabbits. So, I mean, you got to put them at number one. Uh, programs like that, man, we kind of envy from, from afar. Uh, 
Um, they don't. You, you could look at those starters and you look at people leaving, but since I've known them, since I've learned about them, they do not rebuild, man. They reload. So uh, one and two right there. Dan? Yeah, I just have one. I got tier one, meaning one, and that's South Dakota State. Uh, <laughs> you know, Kurt, Kurt said it. He had the line to beat, you know, to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. And sure. I think they right now seem to be on a different level. And probably even Kurt mentioned, Sal, you remember we talked about this a couple episodes ago. Since 2008, going out there, the strides they've made, they seem to be on a different level. So they're my only tier one team. I, I think they're nice. I like that. Yeah, I can see that. Them Dakota boys, they're, they're hey, huh? pretty good. Hey. Uh-huh. <laughs> so tier two, moving on to team two. Again, these teams are in the playoff conversation. They're above average. They are, have a winning record, and they are either a bubble team up to they're not winning the conference, but they're definitely in the playoffs or on the bubble of being in the playoffs. Um I'll kick it off, and I'm going to have Northern Iowa at number three. They have an extremely tough out-of-conference, so we'll see as the season goes on if I'm going to leave them at number three. Um, but if they win their, some of those out-of-conference games that they have, you know, going to the Big Sky and some of these other conferences coming to them, I mean, they have a chance to prove that they are true number three or even could hop into Tier 1 if uh, if they are as good as they say they are. Uh, number four, I have the Youngstown State Penguins. I think we're number four in the power ranking. Um, as we talked about in previous episode, I see us losing three games, maybe a fourth. But, I mean, if you lose three games, that, that describes what Tier 2 is, which is uh, you're not winning the conference. But, I mean, you have to be in the playoffs with three losses. If not, I mean, we should we got a riot or boycott or something. Uh, number five, I also have in here is Southern Illinois. Um, I've seen a lot of preseason rankings that have this team as a top 20 team. I do not know why. Uh, the only evidence I have is for how good they were last season, which is they were good, not better than us. Uh, so I don't see how they're ranked better than us or how they can be above us. Uh, but I understand and I, and I respect you know, how good they may be. They're playing Northern Illinois and they've been very active in the transfer portal. So I don't know anything about those guys coming in from the portal. If those guys from the portal are good enough to beat Northern Illinois, um, I'll definitely give them some respect and potentially the ability to jump higher in the power ranking. But for now they're sitting at number five for me. Um, And then number six uh, have to be North Dakota. They were our, um, our third and uh, besides the other Dakotas, they were the only team from our conference to make the playoffs last year. Um, Unfortunately, they only have five returning starters on defense coming back and the defense was their strong point other than their quarterback. Uh, So they are still definitely in the conversation Uh, bubble team, maybe, but they're number six for me. So those are my only teams in the tiers, Northern Iowa, Youngstown State, Southern Hill, and North Dakota is in Tier 2 for myself. Uh, flip over to you, Cyril. Yeah, so just to start out, I'm going to mirror you one more time. I have Northern Iowa. Um, I love the fact that they're just going after it with their out-of-conference schedule. Um, traditionally, we said 
the, the last episode we said that's our that's our game this year. We got to win that game, and that's going to uh, define our season. So Northern Iowa is my number three team. Well, that first team in that tier two um, got the Penguins sitting at number four. I got them at like four A, uh, and I have North Dakota as four uh, B. And the reason why is, you know, when you have a playoff team, you may be losing a lot of um, starters, but they set a standard at that program, and they don't want anything less. So they're they're going to be hungry. They're going to they're. I'm sure they had a lot of young guys playing behind those starters. Um, so those are my. I, I just have those three: Northern Iowa, YSU, and and North Dakota. And I have North Dakota in tier two. Because they beat the Penguins last year, and uh, we don't get to play them this year, so I'm not going to bump them below the Penguins um, in this power ranking. No respect for the Salukis. I kind of like it. <laughs> Over to Kurt. Um, yeah, I thought this one was interesting. So I had I, and Kyle too. Like I had the first four. And I think that this tier is what makes our conference so good is because you can have one team from this tier make the playoffs, playoffs or you could have three teams from this tier make the playoffs. You know, and, and five teams from a conference is probably a lot, but, like, how many years have we had, you know, one win and we're in or one loss and somebody else from our conference is in? And so, I mean, you can kind of mix them up any way that you want to. I liked the research I did on Northern Iowa. Um, they seem like they also are kind of right on the cusp of, of NDSU and SDSU talent-wise, like they've always been. I mean, they seem to have a proven passer coming back. He was a junior last year. That's another reason I like Southern Hill in this conference too. So I would put UNI in Southern Hill probably 3-4 uh, with us being 5. I love where Mitch was out, our quarterback, Mitch Davison, at the end of last year. Um, I think he had the best, most comfortable games the last four or five games that he played once he knew that that spot was his. So I would put us tier two, uh, number five overall. And then I, you know, kind of along the lines of what Kyle said, North Dakota is, is a team that we kind of played, you know, every possession mattered last game. And, and I don't know a ton about UND, but then I went back and looked at Illinois State. I put Illinois State into this tier two because before they played a stretch of like three really good Missouri Valley Conference teams, I forget which three teams it was, they were five and two. And then they won the last game of their schedule, which is dangerous because in 2011, when we went six and five and beat North Dakota State and then lost to Missouri State, we felt like the next year – we had a lot to prove. So I thought Illinois State is a dangerous tier team, tier two team because they ran into a really hard schedule for that three-game stretch, basically played themselves out of the playoffs by losing, and then they come back and they kind of snuck that last win in like, this is what we can do, and they had a lot to build on next year. So I think Illinois State, just by how they performed last year, I don't know a ton about them, could be that sneaky bottom of the tier two team where – they were five and two, probably nationally ranked last year before they ran into an zero and three part of their schedule, which you know basically plays yourself out of any postseason chances. So I put five teams in there. I don't know if I said them the right way. Do you need me to say them again? Are you writing these yeah. down? Yeah. Well, uh, I kind of need to recap. You and I, 
UNI, Southern Ill, YSU, North Dakota, and then Illinois State. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, Illinois State, I mean, they're quite the mystery, man. They're never bad, that's for sure. What do you awesome, have, Dan? Man. They could beat anyone. Mm -hmm. Sure. I got four teams in Tier 2 right now. Uh, I put North Dakota State, obviously, there uh, in Tier 2. You guys mentioned they could be in Tier 1. They've been the <laughs> the standard for a long time until last year. I've got YSU in Tier 2. I've got Northern Iowa there and North Dakota. Those are the four teams I have in Tier 2. You guys all brought up good points. We don't play North Dakota. I think Northern Iowa is our game of year so to speak it sets the table so if we can go out there and beat northern iowa then you know i think really puts us in that kind of upper tier of tier two but i only have I only have four teams in there that i think any one of the four teams could be right there and they've proven it you know those are teams that have had that north dakota you know they're, they're kind of like that team that doesn't beat themselves uh, but I really think those are, in, in my opinion, tier two, uh, those are the four teams I have. Well, I don't want to uh, jinx anything, but it, I mean, more or less of these rankings were, were really ranking the same, uh, the same numbers. I'd say the only thing is, is Dan moved the bison down to tier two and, um, Kurt moved Illinois state up to tier, uh, to tier two as well but other than that i mean <laughs> we'll see how tier three and four go but i think we're all <laughs> feeling the same about the missouri valley uh tier three again these are the more or less 500 we don't think you're in the playoff conversation however we don't think you're uh two and nine or you stink or you're rebuilding um in any way and just to start it off i actually had illinois state and the courage point um, i was really close to putting them to tier two but um, I, that's a crowded room. I don't think we're getting seven teams in the playoffs. Someone's got to lose somewhere. And I think Illinois State, unfortunately, is going to get the worsen of that stick until they show me otherwise. Like you mentioned, they were pretty hot last year, and then it just didn't pan out for them. Um, so with that momentum, I don't know if that's going to cause a spark into this season or not. But until they show me otherwise, I have a number seven in that tier. Number three is South Dakota. Uh, they still got guys, even though they had a bad year. Um, I don't think they're uh, good. That being said, I think we're going to beat them pretty bad. But I don't think South Dakota is bad that they're going to have a losing record. I think they're just good enough that they're going to hover more or less four to five, maybe six wins. They'll be right around that 500 or a game short because they, they still got guys more or less. Uh, number nine is Missouri State. Um, even when they had Bobby Petrino last year, they weren't amazing. They were good enough to beat us. Um, but with the coach leaving, I think they're going to have a major rebuilding year. <clears throat> However, uh, rumors are saying that they are the leading team to make that FBS jump. Um, so they have money. They're spending a lot of money. Um, how that's going to affect this season, I don't know. So they're going to be really good in the future. But for now, I think they're just going to be around that 500 level with a rebuild. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And that being said, 
We'll discuss in the next episode the FBS jump from other news that came out. But um, turn it over to Kyle Searle. Uh, so my sixth team, I'm not disrespecting the, the Salukis by not putting them in Tier 2, but, um, you know, I have them ranked six. They were 4-4 four and four in the conference last year, under 500 overall. Um, you know, I it, this is a prove-it prove conference. So, um, you know, I just want to see them. I, I think they're going to be better, but are they going to be – playoff material i don't know so i have them in tier three they're going to be at 500 probably a little better but i don't know if they're going to be on that playoff level yet um and then i do have ill ill state here at number seven uh, i think last year was a weird year for them i think you know the one year two years prior to them making a run for the national championship they were they were pretty bad and they seem to just rebuild that program they are a program that seems to develop talent and and have good teams after you know four seasons so i have them in that tier three i think they're going to be much better they were also four and four in the conference um but they were six and five overall so that's those are my only two tier three teams curdy yeah i don't know what it is i don't know what you guys think um, I only have one team in tier three, and that's South Dakota Coyotes. Um, I just, I just think, man, like ever since North Dakota came into this conference, and I don't know this for a fact, but is South Dakota just getting the scraps of all the two Dakota states recruits? There's not many places to play out there. I mean. If you live in South Dakota or North Dakota, you want to go to NDSU or SDSU, and it seems like North Dakota is beating South Dakota for recruits, and so South Dakota is just going to be the short end of the stick. They're tier three. But to your point, I, I it's crazy that having the scraps of South Dakota State means you should be pretty darn good. No, just yeah, like not, North, just not like tier North four, Dakota. They're tier three. You know what I mean? Like, it's panned out for North Dakota. Why is it not paying out for South Dakota? That's I true. have no That's idea. True. And so now, like, ever since North Dakota came in the conference, you have four legit teams where high school seniors or, or transfers are saying, all right, I could go to this place and play in the Missouri Valley, and the worst of these four is seemingly South Dakota. I don't know why that is, but, the, I mean, that's why they're my, my tier three. Um, but, I mean, it, does North Dakota coming into this conference – having jumped South Dakota seemingly already, just say, all right, South Dakota, you're probably not – you don't have it. Well, let me chime in more. And I, I've never – when South Dakota joined the conference, I was gone. The same with North Dakota. So my source – I'm going to throw Dan Kopp under the bus. My source <laughs> being Dan Kopp, from what he tells me about the stadium experience, I can see why South Dakota is the fourth tier in those – because it doesn't sound like a fun place to, to be or play. It's not. Jesuits high school basketball bleachers are better than South Dakota seats. <laughs> that, that's what I hear. And that being said, it's like they're missing an opportunity. They got to be there, put money into whatever the heck they have going on. But it sounds like a uh, uh, auditorium of where a high school play yes. would be taking yes. place. Yeah. It's terrible. And, and tier three, so I no think wonder, tier three no for me is, is being generous. I think I'm being nice because I think that they do have a good crop of recruits to get there, but they're not. 
they're not where they need to be. So tier three almost is where their ceiling is in my head. And they're fine mm. to be there. I'm fine with them being there. I don't want them to beat us at all. <laughs> so that's all you got for tier three? That's all I got for tier three. What do you got, Dan? Well, first, the facilities want to make that a topic for the next uh, podcast. <laughs> we can go on. That, that's a good one. You know, but uh, I, I got two teams in tier three. And as Lee Corso says, close, real close. Illinois State and Southern are my tier three team. You guys all brought up good points, and Kurt mentioned Illinois State. We beat them 19-17, right? I think last year that was the, the mm-hmm. win. That There's a game that could have gone either way. Southern Illinois lost four games in a row by a total of 14 points. You know, I mean, they, they I mean, a couple of those go a couple of different ways. So those are yeah. my tier three teams that, Man, a game here, a game there, they, they maybe jump up. Uh, traditionally, they've been really good teams in the conference uh, back to the, the days before the Dakota schools. I mean, Illinois State and Southern Hill, you guys remember Southern Hill was yeah. Jerry Kilden. They were the team to beat, you know, uh, and Illinois State's been good for a long time. But those are my two tier three teams for that alone. I think they were close in some games, and, man, they, they could go either way. But those are the only two teams I have there. Say them again. You had Illinois State and, and the Salukis? Yep. Illinois State and Southern Hill in Tier 3 for me. And, and well, another thing I just want to recap on, the, on this whole thing. If you look at the preseason top 25 for SCS football, um, it, I'm telling you, they have Southern Illinois, just, just the media or whomever is putting out these rankings. They have them in the top 20 as – being technically the third best team in the Missouri Valley. It's the Jackrabbits, one, the North Dakota State Bison, two, and then you have the Salukis, and then um, either us or or Northern Iowa is like number 25 are receiving votes. So it's crazy that we, I don't want to say we don't have any respect, but we're definitely not respecting the Salukis like the media either. We know something they don't, or they know something we don't, but we're about to find out this season. But moving on, uh, Tier 4. These are teams losing record, called a rebuilding year. Um, And, again, it's a Missouri Valley Conference, so just because you're in this tier doesn't mean um, we plan on beating you and beating you big as uh, anyone could beat anyone any given Saturday at this conference. So just because you're in this segment or this tier – does not mean that uh, it's any disrespect to these teams. So uh, come week five, week six, week seven in this, this season, uh, we're not going to steal this clip and, and put this against us that they're in this tier if any of these teams beat us. Uh, but starting with me, I have number 10, Indiana State. I think they're going to be the same as last year, which is rebuilding. Uh, that's a program that has really seen the highs and the lows. And they sink, but when they sink, they eventually, after a few years, get back to the top. Um, so that's why I have Indiana State there. Uh, number 11 is Western Illinois. Um, they still have Missouri Valley Football Conference talent. Uh, but that being said, I feel like they are leaving the conference for a reason, and that reason is to compete at a lower-level conference. Um, so I think they're on their way to probably do very well in the conference they'll be in in 2024. But for now, um, 
The only reason I do not have them ranked last place is because our newest member, Murray State, who is a good program, but they do not have Missouri Valley Football Conference talent yet. I think they're at a rude awakening when they enter this conference and they see what type of talent they're going to be up against every Saturday. Um, they're definitely going to hit the road recruiting and they're going to recruit on our level. So, I mean, look out for them in maybe 2025 when they get the talent. But for this year and next, uh, I don't see Murray State doing very well in our conference. So, again, I have Indiana State 10, Western Hill 11, and Murray State 12 to cap off uh, my power rankings. What do you have over there, Cyril? So, I got South Dakota sitting at 8, um, 2 and 6 in the conference last year. Um, don't know how you're going to get a lot of recruits coming your way at two and six in the conference. Um, but they are a team that does kind of, uh, develop some talent and, and rebuild a little bit. So I got them on that top tier, uh, top of the tier four, tier three, Indiana state. Another team that just kind of seems to have a roller coaster of seasons. Once once in a while, they can sneak up and put together a winning season. Other times, it's the the game you circle on your calendar and chalk up the W. So there ten Missouri State. Just nothing much to say about them. I have eleven as Murray State. I think that they are. If, I don't know if they play Western Hill or not, but I think they're going to beat Western Hill. I think Western Hill, 0 and 11 last year. Very something's going on over there. That culture is bad. Those that roster is bad. It's going to be very hard to get guys to buy into a program that just went 0 and 8 in the conference, 0 and 8 in the country. Like it. Just do not see them winning more than two games here, as in Western Hill. So Western Hill is my dumpster fire of the conference, <laughs> <laughs> and they're on their way out for, hey, for good reason. So. That's right, Curdy. Peace to the Leathernecks. Um, <clears throat> at number nine, I got Missouri State. Uh, number 10, Indiana State. Remember, I said this is our trap game next year. I just got to watch out for the Sycamores and Larry Bird. Um, Western Illinois at 11. And then, Sal, I'm on I'm on the board with you. I think Murray, Murray State's going to have that rude awakening. And I think it was South Dakota that came into the conference when we were still playing. They just, I mean, they, they weren't on the level that they needed to be. Whether it take, I mean, if you can get that done in a year or two and get that talent that you're talking about, I think that that's a win. Um, but coming from a different conference to play the, this gauntlet of the Missouri Valley, I think it's going to be pretty tough. And, and the win, like Cyril said, could be could be Western Hill and could be another one here or there. But Murray State for me is going to be um, at the bottom, if not near the bottom. Right. And, and before I turn it to Dan, just full transparency for our audience, we did not discuss this beforehand i mean we did our research we wrote this down even though it sounds like we're all saying more or less the same thing uh ranking wise it, it's just crazy that we i mean we we've played coach been in this conference uh and followed it and watched them 
and we just have the same opinion of the same programs and how they are and the measuring six seems to be uh echoing uh, around the table what do you have dan well i'm really gonna throw a curveball so, so this will be proof we didn't speak before this i didn't dive into the teams after the seven teams i kind of considered the first three tiers I looked more, and excuse me for being a little off the topic here, but into what gets those teams in, I think. And so I didn't dive into the Indiana States and South Dakotas as much, but I kind of think about something, and maybe we could digest this a little bit. I call it the 30-20 club. The teams that have been getting in the playoffs, scoring 30 and holding teams to 20. And if you look at it last year, North Dakota State, 34.3 points a game. South Dakota State, 34.2. South Dakota State held their teams to 15.8. North Dakota State, 20.2. And if you go back, it's those top four teams had almost those very identical stats. YSU in 21 was given up 34 a game and scoring 25. This Last year, we scored 28.5 and gave up 25.4. And we were that close to getting in. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of looking at what gets those teams in more than who are the bottom ranked teams. Cause you know, I, I you guys know, I, I, I go crazy about predictions, but, and I, I looked all the way back to 2016. Last time we were in YSU scored 27 points, 27.6, a game gave up 19.9 and played in the national championship game. We were ranked seven in the conference offensively, but second defensively. We were uh, first in sacks. Um, so, and, and then James Madison won the game, scored 47 a game, and only gave up 21. So there's that like 30 points yeah. a game and only give up 20, and you start getting into those are your top three, four teams. So if YSU can, you know, maybe score a couple more points a game and get a little better on defense like they did from 21 to 22, we won't have to worry about being right or wrong. They'll get in themselves on those kind of stats. So, sorry, I just didn't dive into too much of those other I teams like because they, they just might not be there. But if we they're can get in 30-20 club. at that point. You know, and, that's, and you guys played in it, Sal. You were a coach. You guys know how close these teams are mm-hmm. in the top six, seven teams. So that's my uh, thought. I'd rather uh, – I'm. Pre- that's my prediction. Let's get in the 30-20 club Amen. offensively and defensively, and then we might be in the playoffs. And, and it's crazy to think about. I mean, you made a point about the 2016 run we made. Um, since 2006 or after that 2006 season, to think since then we've only been in the playoffs once – out of all the good teams, bubble teams we've had, it's it's almost like the NCAA has it out for us. I, I mean, I know we've been close, but the one time they let us in, we make a run to uh, to Frisco, and ever since, it's crazy to think about. But, uh, Dan, back to you. Do you have a Tier 4? I didn't dive into a Tier 4. i got to be honest with you. It was too much. Those... <laughs> Anyone left I, I, over is not relevant. Yeah, I just, I didn't think, I thought that goes to show you we certainly didn't talk before the show. I didn't yeah. like them just because I, I didn't know where I was going to put them. Yeah, that's fair. That's, the, I bottom, mean, it's all... the bottom is just as interchangeable as the top, the you know, the top tier two can be, you know. Like, you kind of have sure. those one or two teams up top, 
and then you have the next four or five that can switch any given year, and then the bottom four or and, five. Seemingly. And these and these are all barring, you know, injuries and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh yeah, you know, injuries can ruin us. It ruin a season. Trust me, we we felt that in thirteen. And we'll be updating this week to week. So you know, after the games, if if you have anyone that jumps or switches, um, we're You'll have an opportunity, for example, if, if uh, Southern Hill goes out and they beat Northern Hill and, and we want to put the Salukis higher ranked, uh, or if we go out and beat Ohio State at Columbus and you want to re-rank us, uh, you'll have an opportunity. So each week we're going to move up and down on the power rankings of the Missouri Valley. So we'll stay tuned on that. But before we move forward, any other last comments about power rankings and really just predictions for Missouri Valley and any of the teams in it? Everyone's nope. good to go? We're good. Okay. All right, moving over to our next segment. I'm going to turn it over to Kurt, and it's our mailbag segment, which is, uh, again, it's ran from, by Instagram, which our tag is Whitetown Penguin Podcast. Kurt runs our social media page, so I'm going to turn it over to him. Um, yeah, firstly, just the Instagram page, Whitetown Penguin Podcast, has been awesome for me the last week or two. Uh, just diving in and talking to guys who have played in the early 2000s as well as you know guys who are, are, are still on the team right now and connecting with those guys. So I think it's an awesome alumni platform to just get guys connected again. Um, I know YSU alumni runs a Facebook page and then they send out some mailing uh, information. But I know with this younger generation, the more modernized we are with technology, we want to hear podcasts and we want to see quick clips and so you know any chance you have to get involved with um you know the alumni that we're connected to on instagram as well as the alumni that may not be connected to the instagram page please share it and and connect with those guys so that you know we can kind of link up whenever we get a chance you know maybe you're driving through the same city um gosh i forget what city it was in but i know Derek bush a guy who played i think he graduated maybe 08 he he connected up with wait um jabari scott is a guy who's living out in texas and i think they were out in utah at the same time so you know that was one of the stories that we like to see and i like to repost that stuff because two penguins from completely different parts of the country came together played in youngstown state and you know they're out in utah at the same time linking up so you know really that's kind of what instagram's for you know connect with those followers connect with the alumni um see what's happening in people's lives and and link up with them I'm going to switch our questions, if you guys don't mind, because I think that that question number one is probably going to be a little bit more of a conversation than question number two. Um, That question number two that I had on the script, if you guys don't mind, uh, is kind of like, Sal, what you were talking about before, which was, you know, the Missouri Valley a little bit and a little bit with the scheduling and that breaking news that you had for us. So if you guys don't mind, I'm going to take one of the questions um, that we had from Jacob Zinni. Um, Jacob Zinni is a, uh, AKA big Zin. He was a penguin O lineman from 2015 and 2019 played for coach Carm, who is currently with the Vegas Raiders. Um, Zinn was a part of the national runner up team back in 2016. Uh, I believe he played right guard. Um, and this is a question I think that we get a lot and we maybe ask ourselves. So if you guys want to look at your question too, I know you guys kind of prepped this a little bit, but. Should YSU, this comes from Big Zen, should YSU leave the Missouri Valley Conference and be independent like they were in the 1990s? 
and maybe something that we can just talk about real quick. But if we were to go independent, yes or no, whatever you guys decide, if we were to, what would that schedule kind of look like? And I think where Zinn was coming from after talking to him a little bit was kind of like Notre Dame, right? Like Notre Dame is independent, but they have obligations and requirements to play a certain amount of ACC teams so that they can belong in that conference. So part one of this is, do you guys think there's any benefit maybe, or should YSU leave the Missouri Valley? And if so, to be independent, what would that look like? Um, Searle, I don't know if you want to hit it first. Yeah, no, I, I don't think independent only works for uh notre dame because they're notre dame um you know i don't think that model is going to work at this level anymore and i don't want to leave the missouri valley like i want to win the missouri valley i want to win the best conference in the country and that's where i come from as a competitor i want to recruit to win the missouri valley i want to play the missouri valley and i want to win the conference and i want to win the country like that's that's where i'm coming from I don't want to leave to go to any other conference to say I won this conference, but that's not the conference to win. It's absolutely not. So you're going to have to beat the Missouri Valley in the postseason to win the national championship. So why not just win the Missouri Valley in the regular season? And that's that's from me. For sure. And I'm 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 going to die on that hill. For sure. For sure. Coach Cop, how about you? Well, I, I'm. I don't think we could do it independent. I don't know if we could fill a schedule. I, I don't know if we would be able to get enough teams to play us. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about the Ohio Valley, the OVC being a natural fit. We used to be in it. We won it before we left it. The travel would be better. But, hey, Kyle has a hell of a point. You wanna, you're going to play him eventually anyways. I mean, North Dakota State and South Dakota State have proved if you win the conference, you can still go win the national championship. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I don't think we could survive as an independent. It, we'd almost have to win maybe nine or ten games to get in. Um, but I will say, I, I think uh, Big Zinn's dad played for Trestle. Okay. I, I have a little bit of history in there. Nice. Or his uncle. But one of the two, and it might be his dad if it was, he was a heck of a player too, and obviously – uh, Jacob was a, was a good one too, but I, I don't know. I don't think it's really possible for YSU to be independent. And, and I mean, heck half the conferences wouldn't take us when we got into the gateway back in 97. So we probably don't have anywhere else really to go. So let's go win the thing and start there. But it, it's a, it's a big topic. It's a great question by Jake. Uh, so we'll have to see, but for sure, for sure. Sal, what do you think? Uh, question, I didn't, I didn't understand the end of the Big Zen question when he was talking about, like, Notre Dame. Um, like, Notre he, he Dame, I know, has... Sorry, he didn't, he didn't reference Notre Dame. I, that was more of my comparison after reading his question, and I'm sure I'm not explaining his question. And I, I bet he's got a great point and more reasons to talk about, too. It was just more of, like, as he and I were kind of messaging about it, there was a little bit of talk of... Um, you know, still have still have connections and still have ways to schedule Missouri Valley games, but do it. I guess sure. maybe, I don't know if it's on your own accord or, or you know, kind sure. of what Coach Cop was saying is fill that schedule as you see fit, as opposed to mm-hmm. having requirements for who you play. Um, so to what Cyril, 
I guess to further say what Searles said, hey, that's Notre Dame because they're Notre Dame. It, it's not Notre Dame because it's Notre Dame. It's Notre Dame because they have an NBC contract. ACC wants Notre Dame um, in those six games so they can play on NBC and kind of piggyback off them, which, um, and I know you said Big Zen didn't mention Notre Dame, but yeah, um, no one would, no conference like Missouri Valley wouldn't say, all right, well, we'll give you four games, you go independent. No one could do that. And I love this question, and I, I really thought deep into it. And really going back to what Dan said, I think this would have made more sense 10 years ago or when we were in college when you had Jacksonville State, Old Dominion, uh, Georgia Southern, Appalachian State, uh, really the entire Sun Belt. The problem is all the teams on the East Coast and the teams that we would travel to play, they all flipped FBS now. So to make that schedule we could do it for September, but I mean, if you look at our current Missouri Valley schedule for October, November, it is back to back to back to back. I don't see how you could put together a, a schedule. Your September would be the hard teams, but then um, I don't think there's enough independent teams or enough teams uh, to play because coming in November, we're going to have to play some really uh, bad unknown teams to complete the schedule. I love the idea of he'll get in the playoffs. But again, back to what Searle said, I, I don't want to be a um, a Jacksonville State who just gets into the playoffs, maybe wins a game and, and loses. There's no point of making the playoffs if you're not going to go all the way to the show. Uh, just because they have 24 teams doesn't mean I want to be one of the 24 teams to have a playoff game and leave. Um and when you're in the Missouri Valley and you're playing the teams like the South Dakota State, the North Dakota State, who have set the bar in the last 10 years, we are going to see the talent firsthand. And we're going to know, all right, to beat the Bison, we have to recruit at this level. We have to spin at this level. Uh, we need to support the program at this level. And we see them every single year. When you go independent, you're not going to see those guys. And I'm just afraid that um, – yeah, we'll get in the playoffs, but uh, at what cost? We're, we're not going to make the run that we want to be. We're not going to sit on the top of the hill. We're just going to uh, be a playoff team. And that's assuming we can make a schedule that's not traveling us all the way to California to play Sacramento State and then all the way back to play uh, a CAA team. So I think it's going to be a lot of travel, very expensive, very hard to schedule, and it's all just to make the playoffs and, and leave it of an early exit. One, one last little quick history tidbit. I think the last time YSU was independent in 96, they went eight and three and didn't get in the playoffs. Hmm. And the next year they joined the gateway. I think hmm. that was the year. So, so, I, so, I so we've tried it. So we've, we've tried it. Yeah. And some tried it. Oh, you, everyone had good points. Sal, who, who's going to schedule us after week four? Where do we have to travel? And I think Kyle probably said what our head football coach would probably say. I want to go win the best conference in the country. You know, yeah. let's go do that. But, man, yeah. it would be nice to travel in OVC and <laughs> not be flying to the Dakotas a couple times a year. But <laughs> Yeah, the, the travel I, I does think... make more sense for the Ohio Valley, but it's just like we're already in yeah. the Missouri Valley. Like, why do you, why do you want to leave? Right, yep. right. 
<laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, just to just to go back a little bit, because I think I misspoke reading um, my, my messages with Zen um, on Instagram. He, he did reference Notre Dame and use that as an example for the ACC. Um, I don't know how personally, I don't know how logistically this would work, but Zen definitely has a model to, to all of your point, which is play some of those big dogs. Uh, of the Missouri Valley, where every year you're playing two or three of the big guys, and then you fill in with three or four of the other interchangeable parts that we had mentioned earlier, and then you can fill in with the other games. Um, and, and my personal opinion, coming from that, just giving Zen credit on those things, you know, Sal, like you're talking about, like going out to Sa- Sacramento State and then coming back um, to play somebody in the Colonial uh, by the Atlantic Ocean, you know. And I think to Zen's point was. Um, which he kind of mentions here is whether you're flying to South Dakota or you're flying to California, you're putting up that much money from the program anyway. So if you're already flying four or five times, maybe three, four or five times out West, maybe you play some of the closer teams so that you can fill in your schedule with flights anyway. So like, what's the difference if you're flying anyway to fly to North Dakota, what's the difference between flying to Arizona and playing somebody out there? Right. I he, he was but mentioning gonna... there's really no financial gain possibly, and it would ultimately maybe break even if we left the conference in terms of like finances. And but why would you? But why would you want to be independent? Planning on scheduling the the toughest opponents from the Missouri Valley and then filling in your schedule. And then at the end of the day, you don't have a conference to win. You're not going to get a conference ring. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to, it's why I do that. If you're right. going to plan on playing Missouri Valley teams, like you say, well, we're going to play these teams. We're going to have an agreement with them. Just stay, just stay yeah. in the conference. Back, well, Kurt, back to, and I understand you're chartering a flight anyway. If you're going to charter a flight to North Dakota, why not yeah. just go all the way to Sacramento? Right. It's not, it's not that part just, as I know, Tan was there with me. When we flew to Southern Utah, I mean, when you go a distance to Sacramento or yeah. wherever you're going, the players and the travel, it tears on you. I mean, I, I mean, all you hear this offseason is, oh, UCLA has got to go all the way to Wisconsin. They got to fly all the way to Rutgers. Yeah, of course, the UCLA, like, cost-wise, it's like pocket change to those guys, mm-hmm. right? But it's mm-hmm. the fact that they have to travel across the country, the the travel. And again, this made sense 10 years ago when we had more of this, uh, the Sun Belt and the CUSA teams that were down lower. I, I love the idea, but I don't see what is the financials as far as staying in the conference. I think Big Zen has a great point. I don't know what they are, but I don't think it's much. It's not like, you know, that we have a deal with CBS, you know, it's the NCAA has a deal with ESPN. As long as we're with the Mm -hmm. NCAA, we have that TV deal. He makes a great point on that. But again, I think Searle has the strongest argument here, which is this is where the talent's at. Why are you going to exit? Not to run away from the talent, but you want to see the talent every year and you're giving the bison and the jackrabbits a reason to not to play us. And now they have to. Yeah, for sure. What, what sure. This first question was this our first like uh, podcast question from the? There's a second the, one. They switched it. 
I, yeah, I okay, switched well, number one and two. I I thought question yeah, number one was going to go longer, but this one kind of went long too. And I don't think this topic's going anywhere. And and the uh, jump on this is the first one we've discussed, right? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's a heck of a question for sure. You guys yeah. know it's been. I want to jump on the um, you know. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't yeah, think sorry. this is a topic sorry, that's really going anywhere. Uh, I think this is something that just as a YSU alum and living. Being in Ohio and playing in a conference that is Midwest to West of the country, I think we just think about this every time we either get on a plane or every time we finish the season. Um, but I mean, do you guys have anything else you want to say about this topic? I'm sure we're going to talk yeah. about this in other episodes. So just a yeah. quick point. I mean, travel was brought up, and, and the, the Ohio Valley conference is, is better logistically, and I, and I can see both sides of the, the argument and talking to my boss, who's a big booster and you know has a little bit insight into the financials which i don't you know but in terms of being a player with like going out to north dakota and northern iowa and south dakota and playing those games like i never felt like those were hard like they were business trips and wolf put that in our head early on like this is a business trip and they laid out the schedule and the travel for us. We left with plenty of time. We got off the buses and the planes and rolled out and did our workouts and our warm-ups and everything like that. Like never like the only time where I thought travel really sucked was when we were on a bus to Indiana State, which is one of the closest teams to play. And <clears throat> coming home at the end of a, a tough loss, you know, you you gotta sit on a quiet plane and you you know, you're just waiting to get home and that's the hardest part of travel right there. Well, how, how far did you travel, sir? What's the furthest game you traveled to in your time there? The uh, the Dakotas. We went to Boston and we went to Southern Utah the year before you got there. And those were um, not so much Boston, but Southern Utah, a team that we were way better than. The travel just, it's we lost because of the travel, just because it was where it was. <laughs> Yeah, and I get I get you on that, but like I'm saying, if we want to stay in the Missouri Valley, I'm talking specifically staying in the conference. I don't think the travel is bad at, on a player. I no, I be, agree. It could I be, agree. It could be it could be financially a little bit of a stretch for YSU at times. As a player, I don't see any problem getting on a couple-hour flight to the no. Dakota or Northern and, Iowa. And I love that they're just far enough that we have to charter a flight because I much rather fly than take a bus. So I 100% agree with that statement. Yeah, yeah. Indiana State it would be a short, the shortest flight we'd have, and it's the worst trip that we take because it's on a bus. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. Obviously, you could see how good of a question Jacob Zinni did with this, yeah. and his dad. He gets his dad who played for Russell uh, back in the days when YSU was independent. So he's probably got a really cool look at both sides yeah. of it. I'm 100% in agreement with all you guys in that. Why would we leave the SEC of our level? Right. Stand, no one, everyone's trying to get into the SEC in some regards. And, right. You know, comparing the SEC and the Missouri Valley, they're the two best conferences. Um I think you hear it talked about in our community and yours because people want to complain and I get it. Like they're not flying to North Dakota to see us play, but mm -hmm. listen, I, I don't know how many people would, if it was an hour closer anyways, but from a player standpoint, Kurt and Kyle, you guys lived it. 
style as coaching, you were preparing for it. You guys go out and you're playing some of the best teams in the conference. That's what the draw is. We're, we're playing the best of the best. Yeah. So um, great question by uh, Big Zinn. I don't yeah. know him, but I have a question. Yeah, yeah sure. but also, like, getting getting teams close within driving distance doesn't guarantee your fans to travel. I mean, I look at Absolutely. look at the MAC conference. On the MAC conference, every team can drive to every team, and they play in emptier stadiums than YSU does. Absolutely. So that and doesn't your, guarantee you fans. Your point of Indiana State is spot on. If we're busting to a bunch of games, <laughs> man, ouch. So, yeah, and that's – before we switch and go, go to the next question, I, I guess I, the only thing I'd say to tail on to you guys is thinking about being in Columbus now, if those guys, and I don't know if they bus or fly to Happy Valley, Penn State, that's five hours, maybe five and a half hours to, to Happy Valley and Penn State, and they probably bus. I don't know if they bus or not. So in some cases, in terms of the standard of college football in Ohio, Youngstown State actually has it better because we charter charter a two-hour flight to South Dakota State, whereas Big Ten and SEC teams, when they do bus, if they do, I, I don't know that that's real, um, it could potentially be a longer, more strenuous travel sitting in a bus than a quick flight. Um, you got something on that one, Sauer, or no? Yeah, I mean, just <laughs> – I'm not going to mention his name, but we're, we all know a friend of mine that uh, played at Georgia Tech, and he was busing distance from a lot of teams. And they, uh, obviously, uh, you know, an ACC team, they have the money to fly, but they did bus to they did. Uh, Clemson. And, yeah, anything that was within a bus distance, Florida State was right there. Clemson was right there. Uh, Wake Forest was nearby. They took a bus to a lot of the games, he said. they they We flew more than Georgia Tech did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. Before we get to the big question, I think that we've gotten probably the most feedback on in, on social media. I do want to give uh, two shout outs. Uh, first shout out has got to be to probably our best follower, uh, top follower of the week, somebody that is close show, uh, close friend of the show, DJ Moss. Um, Coach Moss is an Austin Town native, Penguin alum, hooking us up. He's hooking us up with uh, stats and info through the week. I'm uh, going to talk a little bit more about Moss probably in the next month or two. DJ and Christian Bryan, former Penguin wide receiver on the podcast, uh, we want to get them on. They're starting a new mental health um, and wellness community that they're kind of building for former athletes. So I wanted to give a shout-out to DJ and Christian, uh, something that's you know near and dear to them and, and they're super passionate about. So I'd love to see that going. Um, also want to give an, a second shout-out to at We Are Youngstown and at Penguin Collective. Uh, these are two social media accounts that we've been connecting with the last couple weeks. Uh, definitely we're looking forward to working to, to, with these two groups in the future. Uh, at We Are Youngstown reached out let, looking for some Missouri Valley Conference rankings, so hopefully we were able to give them some answers today. Um, but, you know, those rankings aren't going anywhere. We're going to be talking about those all year. Um, and then at Penguin Collective, uh, hoping to put together some kind of collaboration in the near future. They've already asked to have us in their studio um, if we can get a couple local guys over there just to talk football and talk about the things that they're doing for YSU. So uh, we appreciate those follows coming from Moss at We Are Youngstown and at Penguin Collective. Go give them, um, I think DJ Moss's handle is at Demo98. Um, so go give him a follow. Might be an underscore in there somewhere. But... Underscore somewhere in there. But definitely close, close friend of the show, one of our top followers of the week. Um, yeah. Coach Cop actually coached him 
and I think I had to double check. Was that freshman year in Austin Town? Yes, yes. Yeah. Moss man, he was he was uh what a guy, man. What what a guy, what a player. You guys played with him, right? Oh yeah. was he there same year? You're yeah. behind yeah, you guys was, or no, no he was same year as us. Yeah, I, I mean what what a guy. Uh consummate team player. Um probably epitomized Wolf's overachievers manual. For you know? sure. Yeah. Up when you needed them, hard worker. You guys mentioned one of the strongest guys on the team, right? Definitely. Um, selfless guy. Just, man, got to love DJ. And Christian, too, man. Mm-hmm. Deep ride. He's both Emo. great guys. Hope those guys are my good. all-time favorite teammates. Me yep. and Moss yep. watched a lot of film together with Coach Sims, for sure. Yep. All right, so oh, I yeah. think the last Moss question man. Was, and Moss man. Yeah, Moss is he's he's always he's always throwing us tidbits too. He sent us that tidbit about uh Kyle Smith getting hired over in Atlanta. So he, he came on he came he texted me and Searle separately. He was like, You two need to do your job, all right? Do your job and I was like, Oh man, I haven't been watching sorry Moss, I don't get the, the local news down here in Columbus, but Moss is hired. He's appreciate our, he's, it. Our, yeah, oh, he's uh, on it, man. He's our news coordinator. <laughs> Moss is going to take my job. Moss man's taking my job. So. <laughs> All right. So um, last question of the day came from uh, YSU legend, uh, Don Barnes, uh, YSU alum uh, from Southfield, Michigan, wide receiver from 2007 to 2010, probably one of the most, I don't know, impressive YSU careers uh, in terms of the wide receiver position, uh, 168 receptions, 2,062 yards, 15 touchdowns. Uh, he ranked second before he left in total receptions in school history. So big shout out to Don Barnes. Loved throwing to him. Uh, the one thing I'll have to say about Don Barnes before I ask you guys this question is Dom always seemed to have that next gear when you threw him a fade route, when you threw him a ball. He may be running full speed or not running full speed, but when the ball was in the air and he had a chance to score, he turned it on more than anybody I probably ever had thrown to in my life. And it was like, dang, you are so fast when you know you're going to score a touchdown. <laughs> and he ran under it, man. He found a way to run under it. So I just, I was so impressed with Dom playing with him. Uh, definitely one of the most char- charismatic guys, energetic guys. Super fun to be around. Loved everybody. Great locker room guy. So, Dom, I appreciate this question. I think it's going to come up with a lot of debate. Uh, got a ton of stuff with this, and, and, and I know that this answer for everybody can go a ton of different ways. But the question that Dom asked was, who are the top players from YSU in the past 15 years? And this is from 2008 to 2023. Who are the top players in the past 15 years? Um, and I want to hear what you guys have to say first. I know I have one or two names in my head, but we're again, we're talking 2008 to 2023. And the only thing that Dom asked, and I'm just leaving it, that is, who are the top players? That's it. So, so you want to take so, a crack at this first? Yeah. So I got, if it's hard to, it, this is going to pit a lot of people against each other. You know, like we're, we're all brothers. We're all penguins. Like, we there's a lot of players like there's a lot of players lot of with some really great careers and a lot of teammates that you just had a, a, a good time playing with and um so i got a defensive player i got an offensive player and two guys that i both played with and i think that really 
set some standards for the program, um, which is change the culture and things like that. And I think that's kind of how I geared my answer towards this question and future guests of the show on defense. I have Derek Rivers as one of the best players in the last 15 years. Um, 2015, third team, all American 2016, second team, all American <clears throat> probably got slighted, probably should have been a first teamer. Um, the only, uh, higher NFL pick out of the university than him was Jaworski. Uh, crazy. He's second and fourth, the single season sack record list. Um, 2016, he had, uh, 15 sacks, 2014, he had 14. He has 41 career sacks. Um, and the next best on that list is YSU legend Jermaine Hopkins at 22. So he has a double-digit sack lead over Jermaine Hopkins in his career. Um, defensive end, one of your one of your pillars of um, your positions. You got your 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 end, you got your tackle to protect the quarterback, and that, that quarterback's your third, your third pillar. Uh, another um, player that I have, I know he's not going to talk about himself. So 75 career TDs, 24 200-yard passing games, uh, first in school history passer rating, second in completion percentage with 706, um, first in total offense and first in passing yardage. Um, our own Y-Town Penguin podcast uh, quarterback, Kurt Hess, uh, my best friend. Uh, I just think that he he really uh, was the benchmark of our team and playing injured, getting hurt, and playing through it against the Northern Iowa team. You could see how important he was to that team when we played North Dakota State. He went out there, led a drive, scored on his drive with North Dakota State the next week, and he, you know, ankle, ankle fell apart on him. So, so. He, yeah, he still complains about the ankle, but those are my two guys, Derek Rivers, <laughs> Kurt Hess. And that is not leaving – that is not trying to leave anybody out because I was going through um, some of the, the record sheets here career-wise and single season, and there's a lot of guys that I played with on here. And um, so just singling out too, but there's a lot that we can talk about. This could be a whole episode or a whole series of episodes on just like – breaking down guys in their careers and who was who. Yeah, dude. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. But, uh, yeah, I think it was your idea of styles. Like this question easily could be taken as, Hey, let's sit down and let's create a two deep roster of the best guys that we've only played with like the last 15 years. So people who played a little bit before us, people who played a little bit after us. And we were like, yeah, we could, we could put together a two deep. And you're talking about how much, like, is that 44 players? If we're talking, Two deep, right? 11, 11, and then first string and, and second string. So you're talking about 44 guys that we could put together. Um, but, yeah, man, I'm with you on ribs there. And appreciate appreciate the shout-out, dude. Appreciate the shout-out. Yeah, but, yeah uh, we'll give Dom his love, too. Dom's definitely up on that list. Dude, so Dom's career is impressive, man. Big time. Dom's on Dom's on these record, on these record lists. And, you know, so he, he deserves some credit there. And, yeah. you know, give him a little love. Yeah, big time. Uh, Co- uh, Coach Cobb, what do you think, man? Top players last fifteen years. I'm a, I'll. I hate these ranking things. You guys know. I, I, I'll say. I'll, I'll say that I, I don't like it because there's so many guys. We should do it by decades. I wouldn't do it, but 
I think it's 2008's the cutoff because Don Barnes knew it. That had to include him. So <laughs> I can hear his laugh right now. I can hear his laugh right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. on me right now as he's listening. But D Barnes, what a player! Heck of a guy. It, 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 you couldn't help but be happy around D Barnes. He was great, and I still remember that rocket screen or that you threw to him at Penn State. Yeah, and so he he had. Oh, he was, he'll say he was like Jerry Rice. He didn't look fast, but he played fast. So that was uh, Pete Barnes. But um, I, I thought of this, and, you, you know, Kyle just said the names could be endless. But I tried to think of a handful of guys that I thought were uh, they could take over a game or they could change, you know, the outcome of the game. So I, I got two, two defensive guys. Uh, Derek Rivers, absolutely. Heck of a player. And I have Michael Savage on there. Michael was an All-American, uh, I yeah. think, in 08 or 09. Great. You guys remember Michael. Heck of a player. So those two guys could change a game on defense. Uh, offensively, I, I'm, I know I tried to narrow it down, but I got four guys over the last 15 years on offense. I got Donald Jones. <clears throat> I got Jaleel McLaughlin, Jermaine Cook, and obviously Kurt Hess. I mean, Kurt has, you know, broke every offensive, uh, every record that a quarterback ever had at YSU. Jermaine was a, he could carry a game. You know, sure. I think, was it against South Dakota? Carried it 30, 30, 30 times? 32 times, times maybe 30 times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Jaleel, what a career. And Donald, I mean, Donald, we probably should have never had Donald Jones. He should have ended up, I think he was Ole half Miss. committed to, Ole Miss. Ole Miss. Yeah. Ole Miss. Yep. And Donald played in the NFL. So, uh, and those are just six names there. There's there's a lot more. We need to do this as a show. There's guys from the early 2000s. I mean, just the 05, 06 team under Coach Haycock had a whole bunch of dudes. And the 90s is a whole different, another show. Legends upon legends. And Coach Wolford, you know, were the guys that you stepped in and played for. Um, and Kurt, you know, just to disclose, when you when Coach Wolford came in, you were really the only quarterback kind of there. Mm-hmm. And there was mm-hmm. a lot of who's who's the guy going to be, and Coach Wright recruited you, right? He yeah. recruited both you guys, right? Yep. Yeah, he was yeah. my he was my recruiting coach too. Yep. Uh, and Sal was around then when that transition took place, and the next thing you know, a guy that maybe everyone wasn't sure became the guy and re you know, rewrote every record that a quarterback had at YSU. So th- those are mine. And Dom, you're, you're, off, you're on the list, Dom. I, I just keep it a secret because you, you, you know, you'll be, be telling everyone. I get that so, big love head. Dom. Yeah. Love Dom Barnes. That's my guy, man. So awesome answers. All right, Sal. Uh, before I answer, going back to um, something Cyril said when he was, when he was talking about how Kurt played herd and, and all this whatnot, it reminded me of the time, Kurt, when uh, uh, before the game you were warming up on the sideline and we're Aww. up in the coach's booth. <laughs> and Come Frank Bafano, Frank Bafano, who, who, for the record, he's the safety coach at Kentucky Wildcats now, but at the time he was with us, he has the binoculars and he looks down at Kurt and goes, Kurt, Kurt kind of looks hurt. Don't you look hurt? And you obviously were hurt. And I go, yeah. And, and you and I, Kurt and I were, were roommates at the time. I go, yeah, you know, all week he's been, you know, icing, you know, he's been icing because, you know, he's icing the injury. And Frank 
loses his mind. He, so, you knew he was hurt. You didn't say anything. How'd you not say anything? You knew Kurt was hurt. How'd you not tell the coach? Oh, my God. And Shane Montgomery, the offensive coordinator, goes, Frank, relax. <laughs> Everyone knew. I think it was in the newspaper that he was hurt. Like, we've been limiting his snaps. He's been going to treatment. Like, everyone, including the team on the other sideline, knows Kurt is hurt. And, he, and Frank just, he, he couldn't, he, he couldn't, stay. he kind of looked over at me and was like, all right, let it go. But dude, anyway. Dude lived in his own world, man. That's that's exactly oh my perfect God. example. Is he was in his own world. He was looking for something to yell at and something to be angry about. And I, I handed it right to him, apparently. But um, real quick on Barnes, uh, the, the start, um, Talking about his stats, and I'll hate on him a little bit, and then I'll compliment him, but is, um, keep in mind that before you, Kurt, he had Brandon Summers as his quarterback, who was one of his best friends from his high school at Michigan that he had transferred from Toledo. And I think Brandon Summers' version of reading the defense is, where is Dominic Barnes? Okay, he's got two guys on him, and if he had a third guy on him, that's when Summers would scramble and probably run. Uh, meanwhile, Aaron Pitts is in the end zone waving his hands wide open saying, throw it here. So, I mean, uh, Summers threw the ball to Barnes. Like, I mean, that, he was going to Barnes all the time. Like, that was but, his guy. But Summers is first on the um, completion percentage list. So, I mean, Barnes worked out for him, right? Like, he also had Donald Jones. I mean, it was like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin was Dominic Barnes and um, and Donald Jones. <laughs> but um, anyway, I want to say one thing about Barnes, and, and I, I'll let it go, is um, I, I think prior to that Penn State game and we played them under Coach Wolf, when we went to play these FBS games, be it Ohio State, Pittsburgh, we really went in there with a mindset to lose and pick up a paycheck. Uh, Wolf really installed in us where he wanted to win those games. He wanted to go into Penn State and win it. And Kurt, if you remember throwing that jailbreak screen to Dominic Barnes, and I was in the coach's booth sitting next to Shane, and I remember Shane running, yelling, run, run to the sideline, run to the sideline. And, and for those of y'all who don't remember the play, Kurt threw basically a screen to Dom to the right. Dom ran parallel with the line of scrimmage behind the offensive line all the way to the left sideline all the way down the field for i don't know 50 60 yards 80 to score was it 80 80, 80 yards. yards yeah and doing that 20 and that was on, on the wallpaper in the coach's office forever with with wolf screaming at him to run, run. and that kind of set the tone that we were going to go to these FBS Power 5 schools and win. And and I credit Dom for kind of setting the bar, and that kind of set the bar for us to go to Michigan State and compete, go into Pittsburgh and win. And, and you know, and, and now we go into those games with the mindset to win. And I, I kind of give uh, Dom the, the uh, credit for being the uh, marker of kind of taking those games more seriously and trying mm -hmm. to win them. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, to answer the question – um, I also have an offense and a defensive guy. Um, offense is more new school, and he's kind of a good face of the program. And the defensive guy, you guys are going to be very upset with me when I say his name. Uh, but on offense, uh, pronounce, forgive the pronunciation if I say it wrong, Jalee McLaughlin, the running back just last year, 
I mean, just um, and I'm ranking my guys purely on talent. His talent alone, I, I mean, I, I coached a local high school here in Florida, and I had a running back that I thought this guy was the greatest athlete I've ever seen, and he currently plays running back for the Dallas Cowboys. And then I watched McLaughlin, and I saw this guy. I said, never mind. This raw talent with this running back, I think he is the best running back that Youngstown State ever had from a talent athletic standpoint. And he's going to do, uh, he's with the Broncos now, and he's going to do great things with them. I mean, I, I know his size is a, a problem, they, they say or they think, but he showed it was not a problem. And for him to score that last touchdown at the end of the season and being a stand up guy, he, he he's my number one on offense. And, and that's more of a new school answer um, that I don't think Don would not, did not want to hear. Uh, but on defense, and again, I'm just talking raw talent so <laughs> don't be mad at me and this guy was only around for one season but uh sir demarco bledsoe was a safety that transferred to us from texas christian um uh, do not google him i'm pretty sure tan cop was around when we got thrown off the team but um he was with us on haycock's last year and haycock was a defensive coordinator and I was on the defensive side of the ball, and I would, and I remember at first kind of not being angry or mad, but um, you know, I was kind of like, "Coach, this guy's not in position. He's not where he's supposed to be. He's not doing anything by the script or the playbook or where he's supposed to be. This guy just had a natural talent to know where the ball was going, and I don't know what it was, but." He was supposed to be covering a deep third, and he would be in the box sitting right next to the three technique, ready to go down the hole because he knew they were going to run the ball to that strong side, and he was there every time. And this guy just roamed the field, did what he wanted, and he dominated. And it's just a shame that his off-the-field matters stopped him from you know being what he could have been. But, man, he, he could have been a star. Um, and then I, I also wrote down um, – Brandon Ross, uh, just to kind of put a better taste in our mouth because he he was another stand-up guy who had a stellar career that lasted more than just one season with us. Um, so if, if you guys aren't going to accept Sir DeMarco Bledsoe as an answer, then P. Ross is my uh, – that's my backup response. <laughs> Good backup response and a six-year NFL vet in Brandon Ross, that's for sure. Um, yeah, so go ahead, Coach. Two seconds. All the guys you guys all talked about, and B. Ross was a stud. So, again, that's what happens with these rankings. I, I, I can't stand them because you leave someone off who should be on there. But all of those guys we talked about were mostly the hardest-working guys on the team. Mm. Donald Jones worked like crazy. Jaleel, the company I worked at before where I'm at now, Jaleel was our NIL. Unbelievable young man. Unbelievable. And if you saw his pro day, He's yoked up now, man. He, he looks like he's about yep. 125. So, wow. um, Jermaine, unbelievable work Same ethic. Way, yep. Heard half, unbelievable work, work ethic. You learned it from Kyle Searle, but you had a good one. Oh, yeah. That Kyle taught you. He was my roommate, Derek, so I had no other option. Yep. Yep. Derek <laughs> Rivers and Savage, those guys were all some of the hardest working guys on the team. They set the standard. And, uh, and man, yeah, D. Barnes caught that pass. And, Wolf, there was that great picture of Wolf running down the sidelines with them. Remember? Yep. Yeah. And Larson. You know, and, uh, 
Yeah, Larson, oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Larson, yeah, but, yeah Zach Larson. Yeah, but, but remember the shoes we had that year, those red and black shoes, those Under Armors that <sighs> I think came from <laughs> trash. But we're like hiking trash. boots. Yeah, trash. but that's a great play. And I remember Wolf saying after the game, there's a lot of young guys that played that day, including number 12. He said, we're going to be all right. We're going to be, be all right. right. And yeah, what, what a career. Coach oh, yeah. I, I yes. can I get my NIL back pay? I want my back pay. <laughs> Your NIL backpack? Back pay. You know, for all, all my years of service that it I, wasn't I wasn't you, allowed man. to collect, but I'm allowed to collect now. I want that. Yeah. If I was the if I was they were doing that back then, you know how much money I would have made you guys? <laughs> oh, I know. I want to know. You would have been on it. I want to know. Kurt, driving like one of them big Tahoes or Thank something. Thank you. Kyle, I know a guy that's got a boot company. You'd be on a billboard wearing boots. <laughs> Yo, Sal let's go. And I would have been, we'd have been sponsored by the local wing company or something. Sal and I, we wouldn't have anything. So that's it. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. So, um, yeah, before I give you mine, I mean, I, I kind of took this question as like, who was the, the best person to leave YSU ready to go to the NFL? That's my top player. That is the person that represents our university moving forward. Um, and, and the first guy that came to my mind was just Donald Jones. And Donald Jones, uh, about 6'1", I looked up his pro day stats. He was about 6'1", 214, 41-inch uh, vertical. Um, his, his, he ran a 4'4'6 four, four, at 214, uh, played three years for the Bills. I think he had a kidney condition that kind of forced him to retire early. Um, but what really he, – he, his pro day stats were compared to the entire nation and from, from – a one one yard to twenty yard. His twenty yard split was the ninety first percentile of all receivers. And I think about him being just a slot receiver in the NFL. Um, running twenty yards is pretty important, and for you to run it faster than ninety one percent of the country, despite any uh, any school that you've gone to, uh, his work ethic, like you mentioned, coach, his professionalism. He just kind of had a different energy and aura about him that just screamed i am a professional i am not a college player i am a professional and that was like all 11 games i felt like that and granted i was a freshman but he just kind of held himself to a different standard and and i wish that that you know condition that he had didn't you know force him to retire because he was getting ready to get onto his second contract with the patriots and you get into a bill belichick system you got tom brady slinging you the rock in in and out of seam routes and stuff i mean he could have really flown so you know donald jones brandon ross and and I like that you mentioned Coach Cop because this is completely true. Jermaine Cook sharing a backfield with him for three or four years. I mean, if he had his game going, he was the best person on the field. And as long as you give him the ball, you're going to win the game. Um, so if we're talking about strictly in between the lines, Youngstown State football games, you know, Jermaine Cook was that dude. Um, and, and talking a little bit because I had Jelani, Coach Barasa, wide receivers coach, he mentioned another name that has not been mentioned yet but possibly the fastest player that any of us have ever seen in a Youngstown uniform, which is Jody Webb. Jody Webb was a running back with Martin yeah. Ruiz. Um, I think he played one or two years with us, Searle, and dudes could not yep. touch him. He had, a, he had a touchdown against South Dakota, and I don't, I, don't think, I don't think half of their defense even saw him before he ran, and he, it was like a 38-yard touchdown run. Um, so just to think about pure speed and athleticism, and he's, he's kind of Jaleel before Jaleel. Before exactly. Jody, um, Jody's yeah. uh, the all-time, all-purpose yards leader. Dude, he was, 
And, and hey, again, that's... size was another thing that kind of kept him down. It was like, oh, well, he's not going to translate to the NFL. So do you take this as who is the best player in between the Youngstown State football game or who is the best product that we're sending to the league? Because, you know, B. Ross played for six years and D. Jones played for three years and Rivers is still in the league. And those guys are elite for sure. But how do you take this question? Yeah, that's what's hard about it. But Jody Webb, if you were, I think Coach Pelini's first year at Pitt, Jody Webb was the best player on the field that day. Yeah. He had like a crazy game. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I learned from Donald Jones when all the pro scouts were coming, I you, you never know what pro scouts ask. They never asked. And I learned this. I was young back then. They they never asked about Donald Jones. Like, that's not that they would ask me anyways as the ops guy. How, how's he run routes? They asked about his, how he was in the classroom, how he was with other teammates. Is he a yeah. leader? Does he go to all of the assigned things. I remember Jamie Moore from the Colts and uh, Danny Colbert, his dad, Kevin Colbert, the longtime GM of the Steelers. They loved him. Uh, and they all they asked was, how's he with this? How's he everything off the field? And like you said, Donald carried himself like a, a, literally like a, a, he was a businessman. Yeah. It was I'm, I'm here to work, go to school, catch passes. And so all of those guys, it, it, yeah. it's hard to pick names. Yeah, and he so many names. I, I, in my in my mind, he was the standard. He carried himself not not above the team because he was still a part of the team, but you know, Summers would throw Summers would throw up the ball, and I remember against Austin P, he had a touchdown, and I swear to God, it was the end of the half, and I thought Summers was throwing this ball away. Next thing you know, yep. D Jones is forty inches in the air, grabbing this ball, scoring and flexing yep. on everybody, and I was like. I thought he was throwing this away because we had to get in for halftime and not throw an interception because Coach Wright was like, don't throw an interception. Whatever you do, don't throw an interception. He took two looks. Sal, to your point, he probably looked at Barnes and saw he was covered. So he threw it out the back of the end zone, and D. Jones scored. And I think we won that game 17-10. to 10. It was it was close, and I think that that play was the difference. Um, just... He was thrown. <laughs> Donald great catch yeah. yeah and and to rivers though i mean when Searle and i left and we all left rivers was a sophomore so there's no doubt in my mind like senior year rivers was probably the same way he just had a different energy about him that screamed oh, i belong in the league next year <laughs> yeah he, he was a stud for sure yeah well that's all we got from ig so i'll send it back to you sal all right um you Caught me off guard. I was, was going to continue the conversation. Oh, you got another question? You got another response? No, no, no. no well, well, I was just going to make one thing about Dan was uh, when he was talking about the NFL scouts. Um, and just is really for the listeners to know, too. Same with me. I, Dan, myself, I, you know, some of us, uh, we weren't position coaches. You know, I was a student coach. The NFL scouts come to us and they ask us off-the-field questions. So if you're wondering, you know, if they – NFL team cares about the guys off the field. They 100% do because that is all they would ask me. Uh, not speaking about Donald Jones, but other players, they would ask me all the time, how does he get along in the locker room? How does he treat other teammates? So it is a thing that they always ask anytime they show up at any campus. It's, it's definitely a thing. That's all I had, Curdy. Oh, uh, Okay. Yeah, I mean, we could go on and on like that, and in and, and future episodes, we may have to actually, you know what might be a better thing for us, because we'll talk about this forever. Like, you and I, we all, all of us need to probably come together, have a separate meeting, and actually put together a too deep of who our favorite players were. But even at that point, it's like, 
It's like um, what's it, you know the college football playoff. Hey, let's extend it from four teams to eight. You're still gonna leave people out. So whether we send it to a two deep roster completely, like <clears throat> we're still gonna have people that we want to put on this paper that are not gonna be on there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Closing it up. We're we're we're. Just a segment over. We're, we're about an hour and a half in, so we'll wrap it up. We had a few more things that we'll just get to on the next episode. Uh, but locking it up before we end, as always, we like to give a shout out to uh, some Penguins, uh, usually in the coaching field because that is where we are most populated. And I know we mentioned it earlier in the show, but I already had it written down. Kyle Smith, who played with us from 2002 to 2005, um, the Atlanta Falcons have promoted him to assistant general manager this week, which is awesome news and good uh, for him and the YSU family. Um, side note, the Falcons CEO is actually an alumni from my high school, so I have uh, uh, a lot of reasons now to cheer for the Falcons this season. Um, on a, another note for a Penguin, uh, former Youngstown State head coach, John Haycock, head coach from 2001, uh, to 2009, he took over from Jim Tressel. As some of you listeners already know, he is the defensive coordinator at Iowa State. Um, and I got this from the Cyclone Fanatic website. Um, and it stated, if he remains on staff with the Iowa State Cyclones um, until July 1st, 2023, which is, as we're recording, just a couple days away. So unless something crazy happens, I suspect... He will be on staff. He is set to be raised to a million dollars and be the first Iowa State assistant to make seven figures. So congratulations to John Haycock and really the job they've done over at Iowa State, transforming uh, that program from really being a laughing stock to being a true competitor and in the conversation of the Big 12 over there. So congratulations to uh, Coach. Uh, before I wrap it up, just I want to make sure my co-host, anything else to say before I sign us out of here? Yeah, I got I got two things just on that Iowa State. I don't know if this is confirmed or if this is true or not, but Coach Cop, you might know this last name, Inglis. I've been following um, Inglis out in, uh, I think his son's in Canfield. He just took his official over to Iowa State. I think he's a senior this year at Canfield, or maybe he's got one more, one or two more years. He's got his uh, official over there, so I'm sure that – Inglis is trying to, to link back up with Coach Haycock. Um, you want to talk a little bit more about that, Coach? Yeah. It, the, the player at Canfield, his name is Danny. Danny, Inglis. that's right. His, his dad, Chris Inglis, and his uncle, Dan Inglis, played for Coach Trussell, Coach Haycock. They were both studs. Studs. Fitch guy. I mean, Danny and Chris Inglis were – they were part of that run of – I mean, they probably played on – I think they played on three national titles or national title games Uh, and great guys, great family. Their kid is a stud. I thought I heard that Danny already committed to Iowa State. Okay, I agree with you. I just didn't want to say it because I wasn't sure for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm not speaking for, you know, I don't want to. And obviously that's because of Coach Haycock. Uh, So we've been talking about Sal gives the shout-outs. I mean, think of the last two shout-outs, our former head coaches. Coach Wolford yeah. at Alabama, and Coach Haycock has, along with you know the rest of their staff there, but they've turned that program around because of Coach Haycock's defense and the things that Coach Wolford's doing. So not too many places can say that about their former head coaches. So 
congrats to Coach Haycock and Wolf, those guys. You know, we all love those guys, man. They're, those are awesome guys. Yeah, and real awesome quick, Sal, I got another thing. Uh, YSU football, it's a fundraiser. It's Coach Bob Stoops' uh, 84th birthday party is July 16th at 2 p.m. Uh, I think they're going to have it at Royal Oaks. It's $25, all-you-can-eat barbecue. Uh, all the proceeds, I think, are going to YSU football program. So if you're hungry, if you're local, you're in town, Royal Oaks is amazing. Uh, July 16th at 2 p.m., Coach Bob Stoops' 84th birthday party. Uh, you can RSVP or you can email crmcfadden at ysu.edu, uh, phone number 330-787-1716. All right. Thank you, Curdy. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it because I remember I was talking about it, and, and I, I'm glad Almost we didn't forget forgot. to mention that. That's Almost right. Forgot. That's right. <laughs> So signing out again, uh, please give us a five-star rating. And just so everyone knows, coming up, we have some good interviews with uh, Rivers with the Houston, Texas, uh, Don Delicio with the Kansas City Chiefs, our very own uh, commissioner of the Missouri Valley Football Conference. Patty is going to join us in a future episode, along with the Penguin Collective is also going to join us in a future episode. So a lot more to look forward to, and we'll try to keep them uh, the episodes within an hour. This one kind of got away from us. So we'll try to shorten it up for uh, for our audience. Uh, but again, five-star review. Please follow us on Instagram. Our tag's Whitetown Penguin Podcast. And you can, of course, find us on Spotify, our radio, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere podcasts are found. Again, I'm Sal Guardo. That's Kyle Searle. That's Kurt Hess. That's Dan Kopp. Thank you for tuning in. And please give us a follow and a download. And we'll see you next time. And, of course, as always, go Penguins. Go Gwen.